Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. If you're alive, you eat. And if you're human in 2021, you've likely confronted empty store shelves in supermarkets and become a lot more curious about how your favorite foods are produced. I'm Isabel Lee, host of this season's Future of X podcast presented by Vital Farms and Aussie. This season, we will dig into what the future of farming will look and taste like. Listen to the Future of X, Future of Farming, wherever you get your podcasts. Alexandra Daddario grew up in New York and began her acting career at a young age, beginning in the daytime soap opera, All My Children. Since then, she has moved on to the big screen, starring in hit movies like the Percy Jackson film series, Texas Chainsaw 3D, and San Andreas. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, Alexandra Daddario reflects on her acting career and her family dynamic. Hey, Alexandra. Hello, how are you? Good, how you doing? I'm very good. Are you in New York or are you elsewhere? I'm in Los Angeles. And are, do you count yourself as an Angelino? Are you a transplanted Angelino? What are you? You know, I'm I'm a New Yorker, but it's funny you should ask that. I've been feeling more and more like an Angelino lately. I, I love Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so nice that you say that. I was just down there. It was one of my first trips since the pandemic. And I was on a rooftop in Venice looking at the water, and it was the first time I've ever thought to myself, I wished I lived in Los Angeles, or maybe I should live in Los Angeles. So there's a lot to love in the city, I know, but but that moment seemed to crystallize lots of things that had built up over the last few years. So yes. um, yeah. I, I completely get that. As a New Yorker, are you from New York? I'm not. I'm from the other New York, Miami. Got it. But New York you're almost supposed to hate Los Angeles or something as a New Yorker. Um, and I don't know. I, as a, I love Los Angeles. Yeah. You got converted. Now, now how do you feel? One of the things I like about New York, my folks met in New York and I lived in New York for a long time or for a time. 
And New York is a very late night place where I feel like things stay open constantly. And I've always been surprised with LA that it feels like LA kind of goes to sleep a little bit early. Is that your experience or have you found a different LA? Yes, a thousand percent. I mean, growing up in New York and being a teenager in New York, it was um, wild looking back. And I think that was perfect for that time of my life when I was, um, you know, and when you're a teenager in New York City, you grow up pretty fast. You do go out and you spend more late nights. And, um, you know, I worked at a bar and in my early 20s, I was I was going out really late. And as I've gotten older, I don't like to do that kind of stuff anymore. So Los Angeles is sort of perfect for me now because, everything's a little bit earlier. People like to get up early and hike and, and there's not a lot of going out till 4am here. Um, at least in my experience. Wait, so how did you get into acting? Cause I think I read that your folks might've been lawyers, which, um, they are, I'm not sure they always, I'm not sure they always give birth to actors. No, I, I though think there's a, there's definitely a theatrical aspect to being an attorney, I think. Um, especially a trial attorney. So I, maybe I got it from that, but I think I was, I was an emotional little kid. I loved stories. I loved reading. Um, I was just sort of fascinated by um, movies and um, at a young age obsessed with, I was obsessed with American Beauty and Moulin Rouge and the stories behind them. And um And uh, I think that's where it came from. But I started doing commercials when I was really young, 11 or 12. uh, A woman who became my manager saw me in the audience at a children's play, theater play, I think. um, And was like, oh, she's cute. She could like sell cookies. Um, And I did book a bunch of national commercials. And I thought that was very cool. And um, I found acting class to be a like a almost like therapy now looking back, like the solace of exploring different characters and learning how to cry on command and exploring yourself and what makes you sad and what makes you angry and what makes you happy and what makes you all these different emotions that you can then tap into, I think helped me understand myself better and and thus helped me understand the world around me. So looking back, I think that's what really, why I was really passionate about becoming an actress. I really, I, I love that, that description, um, that idea of kind of therapy and the idea of getting a chance to put yourself in different situations and different shoes and kind of explore that a little bit. It's interesting, as a young girl, you like fairly complicated movies or complicated storylines because American Beauty is not like a seven-year-old storyline. You know what I mean? And, no, I mean... And I- it, Yes. Sorry to interrupt. I think I saw it when I was 12, but yes, it was definitely complicated. Um, And yes, I think that there was something in me that was really intrigued by, and the books that I, you know, the school re I went to a school called Brearley, which is a all girl private, all girls private school where I think the books that we were assigned were pretty advanced and, um, I mean, that's where my love of books came from. You get assigned something and you're like, oh, you know, I'd rather play the Nintendo, but then you're forced to read. And as soon as I would pick up All Quiet on the Western Front or The Scarlet Letter, you know, I, would, I wouldn't put it down. I, you know, was obsessed. And um, I think that um, I was just intrigued by, by really um, complicated stories in the world around me that I didn't know anything of. 
Would you ever want to be a director or producer? Would you, uh, I know you obviously starred in lots of stuff, but, but would you enjoy, do you think, uh, that kind of participation in, in a film or a TV series? I like the idea of it, but I don't think I have the skill. Uh, I do think that I have some knowledge to produce as if I'm an actor in a project, I can bring some um, perspective. I, I have enough experience to bring some perspective as a producer, but I don't feel that I'm, um, that's not my real passion. I think um, I just love acting. Um, so I haven't uh, thought about either of them very seriously. I would be more interested in writing. Huh. Has your has your love of acting grown over time? Has it stayed the same? And and is there a particular love of drama versus comedy? You know, rom com versus sci fi. Like, have you have you figured out what does bring you the greatest joy when it comes to acting? My passion for acting has stayed the same. I've just gotten better at it. I think that there was part of me. I loved what I did, but I wasn't. Um, I didn't fully understand how to do it well. I knew when it wasn't going well. I could feel it when I wasn't in a scene, or, um, and I think that helped me when I because I could tell the difference. And part of the fun of continuing as an actress has been figuring some of that stuff out, um, and. Um, just exploring different characters and, and the weird parts of life, drama, comedy. I'm into both. I think as long as you can tell a good story or teach somebody something or entertain them, I, I, um, I'm not picky. Um, although I do think life is very funny and approaching even dark things with humor is very important. When have you learned the most about acting? I appreciate that notion that you feel like you've gotten better and that even when you couldn't articulate it at a younger age, you knew that some things just weren't as spot on as you'd want them to be. When did you get better or was there a particular instance or series of instances that really started you on this kind of elevation path? I think that that just getting older and more experience, obviously, just that. There wasn't a specific incident except I will say um, that doing horror films actually really helped because part of my problem was fear. I had tremendous stage fright. Um, I would be very nervous in auditions. And I think that learning to let go of what people think and learning to just sort of, you have to get into this weird meditational place where you don't pay any attention to the world around you and you can feel free to try things and explore. And when you do a horror film, you have to scream and cry. And it's this very absurd world where you're being chased by a man in a mask with a chainsaw or you're in an over, like it's very heightened. So you spend so much time crying and screaming um, that you have to get into character and, and you just stop caring what people think. If you're in the corner sobbing in between takes to be prepped for the next scene, that's actually your job. So um, I think it helped me get out of my head and go, I don't really need to, my job is not to care what people think. My job is to get lost in it and try something new. And that really, really helped. So um, some of that was helpful, but like, like 
anybody, just the experience of working with great actors and watching how they work, watching myself back. Now I don't really watch myself. I'll watch something once. Um, but um, on Percy Jackson, which is my first big movie, the director, Chris Columbus, let us go to dailies every day, which is when you sit and watch all the footage from the day before. And that was so helpful for me because I could see, oh, that didn't work. Um, and it didn't feel like it worked. And now I can see why it doesn't work. So that really helped. Interesting. Have you continued that along? Because I, I like that notion of dailies. And I've seen that obviously work with athletes who kind of watch a lot of film. And they're now doing that with teachers. Uh, there's actually a really interesting program in New York City where um, they treat teachers a little bit like athletes and actually show you film of yourself teaching so they can say, ah, I see why that didn't land, or I see that people did light up, or that was the moment where I kind of lost everyone's kind of attention. Have you stuck with doing that kind of daily thing, or was that just kind of a magical moment with Percy Jackson? I I did it for a number of years, and sometimes it's hard directors don't want you to watch playback or because they don't want, they, they don't want you to get in your head and they don't want you to judge the shot or, but that's obviously not what I was looking for. That's really interesting that they do that with teachers. Cause yes, I know athletes really look back like baseball players. They'll look at their swing and exactly the, um, I think I reached a point where watching myself was not helpful anymore. Um, where it became that I was nitpicking and being too hard on myself and thus getting back into my head. And up until that point, it was great. But then I could feel the shift of I'm being really hard on myself and um, I need to let go. So like in acting class, different styles of when they teach you acting, you have to do a different exercises for long periods of time and you sort of build. and that's how I feel about watching myself back now. Um, it was served a purpose during a specific time. And then I think I, I needed to move on to the next step. If you're alive, you eat. And if you're human in 2021, you've likely confronted empty store shelves in supermarkets and become a lot more curious about how your favorite foods are produced. I'm Isabel Lee, host of this season's Future of X podcast presented by Vital Farms and Aussie. This season, we will dig into what the future of farming will look and taste like. Listen to the Future of X, Future of Farming, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women, like, especially when it comes to Black women the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If I had met you in high school, 16, 17 years old, and I'd asked you, first of all, what would I have called you? Were you Alexandra then, or what did your friends call you? Alex. Alex, okay. So if I'd met Alex, um, would I have, and I'd asked you, what would you love to do? Would you have said acting? Would you have said that your expectation would be that, that you'd be an actor? Or what, what did you expect? I had a real, and when I was 16, 17, I was actually on a soap opera. I had a contract on all my children. But even then, I was a very timid I wasn't, I certainly was not, I had a weird kind of confidence because I was doing enough that I, you know, but I, I was always hesitant to call myself an actress um, when people asked me what I did, because I sort of had this sense that I wasn't successful enough or good enough, or there was this insecurity, this sort of sense of, um, oh, I can't really say I'm an actress. Um, And then I uh, was actually let go from the show. And um, I started uh, working in a restaurant bar. And then I really struggled with it. And I remember people saying to me, people who knew me saying, why don't you, you should say you're an actress, you are an actress. And I was, I was auditioning all the time. I had done work. I'd been in commercials. I did the soap, but I remember not feeling confident enough with myself to actually tell people. Um, And, uh, you know, I, I had to, that was another part of my journey was, was to say, I am an actress and I am, I don't have to doubt myself in that way. Um, So I would have, timidly probably 
maybe mentioned it, but I, I was not uh, as confident a uh, human being as I, you know, am now certainly, but that was sort of part of my evolution as a person. And, and why do you think that was? Do you think that's just the way we all are as human beings that we don't start necessarily with the confidence or, or, or why was it um, that you think, you know, I think we're all different and I think we all, we're all programmed different. I mean, there's nature versus nurture. So there's your genetically and that goes to your personality and um, there's parts of that. That's just the way that you're programmed. Um, and then some of it is just the way that you grew up in the environment that you're in. And I could point to several examples of my schooling or my family life or the way I interacted with my peers. Um, I think that it was just a combination of things. And for some reason, I just, I was a little more timid about myself, but there was always this, I always knew I loved acting and wanted to do it. it there might've been like, I don't want to jinx myself part of it too. Um, athletes are like that. They're quite superstitious as well. There is a superstitious aspect to this because so much is luck. So um, I think that that always frightened me as well. What's your friendship circle like today? Um, by the way, do you, did you, did you, are you Alexandra today or are you Alex? Alex. Sometimes Al. Okay. But um, yeah, everyone calls me Alex. Okay. Okay. I have a niece, Alexandra, so I like the name uh, uh, a you lot. You call her Alexandra? Um, you know, I have, we have another little affectionate name for her, uh, which I won't say here, but, 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 Got it. but, but which, which came back to when she was two and three. And, uh, um, but all her friends call her Alexandra. And so we call her Alexandra, but, uh, oh, that's great. when we're in front of all of her friends. So, um, but, um, but, but what about today? Who's in your friendship group today? Who are your, who are your people? It's very tight. Um, I, I, um, like a lot of people in the business have struggled with and people in life. I mean, you know, some people, I'm a believer that like, everyone's just trying to do the best they can. And some people are going to be like this. And then some people just don't gel. And I have a really great group, tight knit group of people that I, who I really trust, um, and talk, you know, people who I talk to on a regular basis. And then I have people that I really love who I think are wonderful people who I don't talk to as often, but every time I do talk to them, I'm delighted to, um, and um, my partner is very, you know, a huge part of my life, my, you know, and that's my little family. Um, so I feel really lucky um, because it's interesting when I first got to LA and I was, you know, like didn't know anything about the city. I sat down with an executive. Um, it was right after I did my first big movie and I was 23 and I was sitting down with a bunch of execs all over town. My agent was sending me out and she was so sweet. And now looking back, I know what she was saying. She was like, do you have friends here? And I was like, yeah, a couple. And she said, um, she asked me a bunch of questions about my schooling and where I was living and, um, sort of my social life. And she was like, you're going to be okay. You know, just keep your head on your shoulder. Like she was very about making sure that you had close friends and didn't lose yourself in the nonsense. And I feel that I, I that's what I've managed to, to build. So I'm very grateful for that. 
Yeah, that that I think almost in anything, having that I don't know whether you call it a village or a tribe or or a group, um, uh, and especially in something as you said where you're trying out a lot, and so no matter how much success you have, you also have a lot of things that don't go the way you wanted it to go. I think you need a uh, a meaningful enough set of people to uh, uh, to help you navigate that. What else might someone not know? What what might you tell your son or daughter years from now? Um, of what it's like being an up-and-coming actress that, that may not be obvious to people like me who are on the outside and just happen to see you on the screen. Um, what, 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 what should we know? What's it like actually, you know, the real real? I mean, I guess, and I wouldn't be the first person to say this, but I, I think that, like anything, um, it's about the work, and working hard and loving what you do. And I think getting lost in anything else, if you're thinking about money or um, attention or um, that it's gonna be incredibly glamorous all the time, which it is, I've been very lucky to have so many wonderful experiences, but it's a lot of hard work and you have to really, really, you know, it's going to be a lot of nights going to bed early and prepping for things that you're not going to get. And um, you can't really, for me at least, anything else was a distraction. I was so like this in my work, trying to get work for so long that, you know, I wasn't going out and having a lot of fun. And I'm glad that I did that. That's what you sort of need to do. And um just like anything else, it's, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of rejection. Um, and also then once you do have success, if you're lucky enough, um, because it is so much luck, um, you know, people can act really strange and it can be very difficult to, um, navigate, especially if you're someone who's not expecting it you know, who you can trust and who you can't trust. And that was very hard for me to navigate um, initially. And I've gotten better at it. Tell me a little bit about your family. I think, as I said, I read that your folks were, uh, were lawyers. And, uh, and I think I read your grandfather was in Congress. Uh, um, did any of them, I assume the answer is yes, but I don't want to project upon you. Um, did any of them play particularly big roles in kind of how you, you know, came to see the world and kind of your choices around acting and more? Were were any of them influential or were they all kind of a part of your family, but really this journey uh, into acting and into Hollywood was really, was really yours? I think that certainly they were influential in the sense that they were my family and that the experiences that I had with them and, you know, shaped part of who I am. Um, but there was no one led me to be an actor. I think actually it was sort of like, oh, that's Alex's extracurricular activity in the environment that I grew up in, um, on the Upper East Side of New York, going to private school. It was very much like you go to Harvard, Yale, Princeton. And, um, my parents were, you know, high powered attorneys. And like you said, my grandfather had his political pedigree and, um, I probably would have been better suited like going to a school where you talked about your feelings and like played drums and, you know, like I, you know, I, I loved aspects of school, but the, 
it just wasn't going to be for me the way that I, um, college just, I just couldn't imagine what else I was going to do. Um, and, uh, so in that way, they sort of let me just do what I wanted to do. I don't think they fully understood it at first. Um, but of course, I mean, my mom is so proud of me and, um, but no one said, oh, you should be an actress. And it was very much like, okay, that's what Alex is doing. And I think, you know, then when I was on the soap and doing films later on, it was like, wow, you know, that's what she's doing. And I didn't end up going or finishing college and I wasn't a great student. I, I was always great in English because I was reading constantly, but besides that, it just, I was different than them in that way. And what about your brother? Did your brother go into acting? Did I, did I read that, that your brother also? Yes. My brother and my sister um, went to college and then became actors. And um, I think it's great. It's a fun business. And um, I think they saw how much fun I was having. And um, they're just great. So it was you know, it's this thing now where my two lawyer parents have have three actor children. <laughs> and so, how do they feel about that? And what is Thanksgiving like? I think they're I think they're happy. I think. Look, I mean, my mom always said she she actually would tell me she was like, "Don't become a lawyer." So I'm not sure what was going on that you know because she was a great attorney. But um, I think, and I feel this way, and I know everyone does. You just want your children to be happy. And um, I'm very grateful to, you know, in my grandparents and the life that I have that I was, I was in a position where I could really do whatever I wanted. And um, that was not true for my grandmother. And that wasn't even true for my mother. I mean, they, they, I mean, you can do it, but I, I really was very, very privileged to grow up in New York City and have the education that I had available to me and also be able to go to acting class and walk around the city and have all these different um, perspectives on life. And um, I'm very grateful for all of that. Um, and I know that they're, they're incredibly happy that we're all doing what we love. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty, Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends, we're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. Woo! 
As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Alex, how do you look this last year? Obviously, I mean, it's an understatement to say that it was transformative and, you know, unusual in so many different dimensions from, um, I don't know about you, but I didn't expect the pandemic to expand the way that it did. And I didn't expect it be inside for, you know, over a year and, you know, all those things I could not have predicted. And I didn't see the first time we went in. I don't know that I necessarily saw all the presidential tumult. Um, uh, that was going to ensue, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter conversation. I don't know that we had had one like that since the 60s, so that was also significant. Did this last year, to your knowledge, change you at all in it, many ways? And I'm not searching for a particular answer, but I'm just myself in my own introspection realizing how much has happened in the last year. And I'm asking myself, did stuff happen to me that maybe I don't even realize happened you know, what about you? How did this last year, if at all, you know, impact you, you think, or or stay with you? I mean, of course, like everybody. Um, and for me, it was, it actually started with the Me Too movement, which started with Trump's inauguration. So we were hit with a lot, our nation, the whole planet. So you're hit with this incredibly transformative period of time as a woman off the bat, which is that you have this person in office. And I'm, I don't usually, it's not, I'm not even saying what my political beliefs are, just the, whatever it was that he said was, in my opinion, um, offensive to enough people, including me, that it started this incredible movement in which I then started really checking in with myself. What have I been keeping suppressed? What have I been you know, allowing as a woman, what have I been allowing the world around me to do to me or to others? And what kind of change do I want to see? Um, 
Does that mean I have to speak up about things? Does it mean I have to speak up about it privately, publicly? And it really got me thinking about things that I had been allowing in my life. Um, so it started with that. And then you have everything that the pandemic and the, the rest, the whole social um, conversations that we're having about what kind of society we want to live in for all different types of people. And um, of course it changes you. And these are conversations that I think we all needed to have because we are having them. And um, they were kicked off by things that we never could have anticipated. Um, but it certainly does change you. And in some ways it's for the better. These are conversations that we needed to have. And in some ways the pendulum swings too far. Um, but besides all that, the pandemic itself, I think, I, I don't know what the long-term impacts of that, but it's made me a lot more appreciative of the things that I have. It's made me love the people around me a lot. I mean, I've always loved the people around me, but it's, it's really refocused my, um, the things that are important to me in my life, which is something that I think a lot of people are saying and feeling. Um, and it's, it's, it's a lot to wrap my mind around. I mean, it's, it's, um, like, like, yeah, like, I don't even know yeah, what to say. Yeah, you yeah, just get yeah. to this point where it's like, it's just a wild, life is completely wild. And uh, I'm grateful to be in the arts and, and I write a lot for myself. And I'm grateful that we have, I think that the stories that will come out of this period of time will be very interesting. And we'll all try to make sense of it somehow. Yeah, I um have, I have a, uh, um, I have, I, I can tell that you're going to write books. I'm, I'm making it plural, and I, I've got one of yours in mind. I, I think it, it, it reminds me of a uh, of a uh, of a really nice uh, book by a woman named Jeanette Walls. Uh, uh, I, I, I can see you writing uh, something good, so I'm gonna I'm gonna look forward to reading some of your writing, whether it ends up being script writing or 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 a novel or what have you. But you're sweet but, to say that. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be good. Um, you mind if I hit you with a little rapid fire? Would you mind if I sh asked a yes. variety of questions? Um. Uh, first question, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Introvert. I mean, some. I'm an introvert, I think, secretly. Secretly. Um, I'm a secret introvert. Secret introvert. I, I, uh, that's good. I'm, I, I'm surprised at the number of people in the arts who I meet who are on stage and yet are introverts. And so that's really, uh, that's nice to be reminded that uh things can come together in unexpected ways, which is good, uh, which is good. Um, what's your favorite movie of all time? American Beauty, just because it was the first movie, what it meant to me, it was my, the first movie I saw that, in which I, I was like, oh my God, what is this? What is life? What, it had such a profound impact on me at that time in my life. But I love all, I have so many favorite movies, but that one's just one that I could, like changed my perspective on, on the world around me. What was your favorite thing about doing White Lotus? I love Mike White. I love him so much, the creator, writer. He is so funny. And we were quarantined in this hotel, all of us together. And um, it was the people. But Mike is just, I, um, I, 
I love his perspective on life and, and, uh, he was, he was just one of my favorite parts. Yes. And for people who don't know the story, give them the, uh, give them the, the short bit. What's the story? The story of White Lotus is it's, it's about a bunch of terrible people who go on vacation to a resort and um, it's a social commentary on um, what it is to be privileged and have no sense of the world around you. Um, and uh, it's very funny and very dark. And um, you just get to watch all these terrible people and the people who have to deal with them. Ooh. And did any of that um, uh, make you think about people in your life? Uh, was there anything about that? Or are you lucky enough not to have any of these terrible people in your circle? You know, the thing about saying terrible people is it's not that they're evil. It's that they don't know any better. And the lack of self-awareness causes them to behave in ways that are not always right for themselves, the world around them, the people around them. So yes, of course, I know people, I ter terrible is a harsh word, but there are people, of course, we all have them in our lives who are um, not self-aware or a little trapped in their own world, I should say. Yeah, yeah fair. Now, now, what brought you to die in a gunfight? How did that How did that come about? I was offered that role. The script had been around Hollywood for ever. I think it was like 12 years in the making. And it had had various actors attached to it throughout the years, big actors, names you'd recognize. Um, <clears throat> and they just never were able to make it for some reason. It was a beautiful, beautiful script. And it all came together all of a sudden. And I was like, what are the chances that on the 10th try that this is actually going to happen? Um, but, you know, Diego Bonetta, who plays the male lead and myself, we both are at the same agency. We were attached to the project. They were like, all right, let's get on a plane. And um, I was really excited about it just because it had been so long to get it to come to fruition. And um, it's a beautiful love story and a beautiful script. So I, uh, I'm very, I had a ton of fun shooting it. And um, who doesn't like a good love story? Who doesn't? Wait, give me one little taste without giving away everything. Give me one little more taste of, of what it's about. I mean, this is, it's sort of Romeo and Juliet-esque. Um, Diego's character and my character are part are were both the children of very uh, influential um, uh, companies, and the companies are um, uh, enemies. So it's lovers who their families are trying to keep them apart. So um, causes all the drama that you can expect from that. That you can accept. All right, last few questions, and I'm going to let you go. What's the most beautiful place, Alex, you've ever been to? Um, God, I've been to so many beautiful places. There's obvious ones. I mean, the most beautiful place for me now is, like, genuinely, like, at home with the people I love. Like, it's just the most wonderful, beautiful nights I've had are at my house, surrounded by people I love, you know, cooking, that kind of thing. Um, that's sort of a cheesy response, but it's true. But if we're talking about a place in the world, the Amalfi Coast is absolutely magical, and I highly recommend a trip. 
But you know what? But I take both, and I definitely take your first, and I definitely appreciate what you were saying. Um, so last question, uh, what is the ultimate meal uh, with Alex? If you've got all these good people around who you love, and you're having a good time, and we're in your place and your spot, what are we eating? What are we eating, and, and what music, if any, is playing? Set the scene for me. Uh, uh, how, how's this going down? I cook the same thing every time. I cook pasta with butter and oil and garlic and salmon, which I bake in the oven um, with lemons from the lemon tree outside. Um, and, uh, and then I make a salad. Um, it's always just basic, very basic food. <laughs> yes. um, and uh, music is um, usually like 90s pop. I love that. Um, or classical music. I play a lot of WC and I love Beethoven and all of that. Um, and uh, that's basically it. And I'll just, I just cook very simple food and, um, and have good people around. You said 90s pop. Who's your karaoke uh, opportunity? I love Billy Joel. I love Piano Man. Um, and... Spice Girls, Hanson, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, all the stuff, Goo Goo Dolls, um, Third Eye Blind. I love oh. all the stuff that I listened to as a teenager when I was, you know, an emo teenager dreaming about having a boy kiss me one day, like living vicariously <laughs> through these pop stars songs. Um, I love all of that. I love it. The last person to talk to me about emo character was Andrew Yang. So you and Andrew Yang were the star-crossed New Yorkers who, uh, who should have met. Wonderful. <laughs> hey, Alex, thank you so much uh, for stopping by. I really appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on both of these projects. And uh, hope the world gets healthy and I meet you in the real world one day. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for talking. Okay. All right. Be well. Be safe. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends to find us on the iHeart Podcast app or Apple Podcasts. I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.